Okay, that should work. I can't see anything now. I keep catching a glimpse of the sun, and then now I can't read anything. Uh, so let's pray, and I'll get my vision back. Lord, we thank you for the chance to meet in your presence, and as we look at Romans 8 today, and as we think about uh, knowing who we are in you, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, help us to, um, for this not just to be head knowledge, but to be heart knowledge too, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Um, a glimpse of the S-U-N. I still can't read. So, um, Romans 8, there's a lot there. You've heard a sermon on Romans 8 before, right? Put your hand up if you have. Many people, if you ask them what's the most important uh, chapter in the Bible, and they'll say Romans 8. Um, and so you'll notice with the reading today, like all of these, we don't get the whole chapter because that would take a long time, but feel free to read it on your own. If you're in life groups, um, the stuff I don't say will hopefully be covered in the video. Um, and if you've got uh, a lot more time, Tom Wright's written a new book because um, he writes books like I drink coffee, really, uh, all the time. Um, so that, that's, uh, that's available um, in places they sell books. Um, and that's quite interesting. I've looked at some of it, and uh, uh, it's quite interesting ideas there. Um, so, all I will do today is a brief summary. Just to acknowledge that um, there are issues in the passage, issues of suffering. Um, Paul says that our present suffering uh, is, is, is nothing compared to the future glory. Um, top tip for you, never say that to someone in suffering. We'll just wind them up, and if they're not kind, they'll punch you in the face. Um, so, theologically, it may be true, but um, in, in, our, in our times of suffering, um, it, we, we, we just need to acknowledge um, that life is hard. And um, I, I often say this, um, we don't tend to see as many people in church for whom life is going great, um, because sometimes for life is going great for people, they find other things to do on Sunday mornings, or they don't feel a, a need or a draw to be in church. That's not everyone, but for some people, that's the case. And so um, we end up with, with more than our fair share of people in church who are going through tough times. And the reason I like to acknowledge that is because I think sometimes people think, well, I can't go to church, um, you know, because everyone there's got it all together. And quite often, as any of you who have been a Christian a long time will know, um, no. People in church haven't got it all together, um, and that's why we come. Now, some of you might have it all together, um, and that's, I don't want to detract from that, um, but I don't meet a lot in my work of people who have it all together. Um, so just to acknowledge um, that about suffering, uh, about fatherhood, um, anytime we talk about God as father, that can be an issue for some, um, either because of a bad experience, or an absent father, or in some cases abuse. Um, and then the, the words around adoption too, again, um, for some people that might be, uh, be, feel a, a personal thing. So just want to kind of name those three things at the start to acknowledge. Um, as always, anytime we read scripture, there might be some stuff that we find hard. Um, and uh, that's why uh, it's good to read scripture and to look at things as a church because we've got people around us to care for us. The pastoral care happens um, beside you, behind you, in front of you, in the pews. 
um, and then um, others of us are available too if you do want to explore something more. So with those three things said, um, Romans 8 is the high point of Romans. Um, it, the picture of the mountain we've had, we're now at the top of the mountain. Uh, and the image is, um, if you have been up a mountain or a hill, um, and then you try and take your phone out and you start taking pictures to send to somebody, and then they look at those pictures on their phone, they will probably say, okay, good for you, you had a nice day out. It's almost impossible, uh, unless you've got the, the, the best cameras and you print on the biggest canvases to capture the view from a mountain. Uh, I've done the grouse grind, um, and when I've done the grouse grind at the top, I'll take a picture if it's that kind of a day, and of, of Vancouver and you know the, the ocean and, and things. And from my eyes, um, I can see uh, so many things, but then when I try and capture it, it's really hard. Um, and so you end up having to take either lots of pictures, and then iCloud gets full, and that's kind of where I am. Um, and, uh, and you, haven't, you take all these pictures, but none of them really capture uh, the essence of being at the top of a mountain on a beautiful day. And as I say, it doesn't have to be a mountain. It could just be a, a hill or a hillock, uh, something small, and just anywhere with a view. And it's so hard to capture those things on a tiny photograph or screen. And so that really is um, a way of saying there's, we need to read this passage again and again. Um, and uh, if you're the kind of person that has time to do that, read this passage every day this week and see every day you will catch a slightly different glimpse of the view. Paul says we have a new identity. So Romans 8 verse 14, he uses that metaphor of adoption uh, to, to describe the radical life change that's been brought about through the gospel. Now, in Rome, the, the concept of adoption uh, and sonship were particularly um, uh, particular things. Um, so just to acknowledge as well, um, the Bible I use, the Bible on the screen, the Bibles in the pews we use in the church, is the New International Version, and it has got inclusive language. And so that means if you see it say sons and not sons and daughters, the translations have specifically left it there for a reason. It's not because all the way through they forgot they were being inclusive, and now we're just talking about the men. Uh, the concept of um, adoption into sonship in Rome was very significant, and you lose that if you say adoption as children. Why? Because um, in Rome, the, the concept of being adopted as a son, um, the, 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 the adopted son in, in the Roman Empire um, of a Roman citizen, that would be the person who, who was chosen specifically to inherit the entire family's wealth and to lead the family in the next generation. Just put your hand up if you've received a massive inheritance. That was just a test. Um, so the treasurer could just say, hey. <laughs> um, but you know, there's two kinds of inheritance. Jumping? I'm jumping ahead to point two here, so I'm going to just pause. I'm going to come back to inheritance. Um, so the metaphor is of adoption into sonship. Um, and the contrast of sonship is, is to be a slave. Um, so you'll know, because we've said before, about one-third of people in Rome were slaves. That was, they were technically the property of somebody else. Um, and so to say that we're not slaves or servants of God, but we're given the status of sons, that is, we're set to inherit everything that the, that the Father has to give us. 
That's the amazing piece of it. Um, how does that change our perspective when we see ourselves as children of God, children of God uh, who are given the chance to inherit everything that God has for us, the things of the kingdom? And this is emphasized again by Paul as he used that intimate term to cry out to God, Abba. Um, when Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, he uses that word, Abba. Uh, it means father, but it doesn't mean father in a, in a standoffish sense. It means father as like daddy or dada. And so um, this is the, the mind-blowing piece of, of Romans 8. We are able, uh, the, the God of heaven and earth, of all that is and evermore shall be, calls us sons, adopts us as sons, says, everything is for you. I want to work with you in this, and I want you to work with me. And as being sons, it changes our identity. We're children of the living God. And we don't have to call him Father. We can call him Abba. There's an intimacy in the way we're able to connect with God. Uh, so we're given that new identity. And then we have a new inheritance. Okay, I was jumping ahead slightly. Um, in the Roman Empire, the, the son would receive the inheritance. Um, what a privilege is it to inherit from the eternal God. Now, there's two kinds of inheritance. There's, uh, we've discovered today that no one received a multi-million dollar inheritance. Um, but you may have received an inheritance of something sentimental, something that had value. Um, and uh, maybe you wanted it, maybe you didn't. But if, if you meant something to the person and they chose to give you something, again, I mean, with my kind of health warnings, I maybe should have mentioned this one at the start. So sorry if this hits a nerve. If you wanted to receive your great aunt's special wedding dress and it was given to your sister or something, then sorry if this hits a nerve. But, um, but you know, sometimes people say, I'd really like this person to have this thing. Maybe it's a piece of jewelry, or maybe it's an item of clothing, or, or maybe it's um, a, a special tool or something. Um, and when someone says, I'm going to give you that as my inheritance, it says, I, I care for you and I value you. And it's, it may not be financial, but the sentimental value is there. It's a way of expressing their love. And so the inheritance we receive from God is, um, is an inheritance, too, that's about love about knowing that God loves us and God cares for us. And it's not just one that we enjoy now, it's one that we enjoy for the whole of our eternity. Um, so we receive an inheritance. And thirdly, we have a new confidence. Paul says um, that we can live with a new confidence. He gives us two reasons for this confidence. Firstly, um, it's because of our future inheritance. Um, he doesn't promise that the Christian life will be free from suffering. In fact, in verse 17, he says, we will share in Christ's suffering. He also lists 17 possible calamities that might happen. We don't often get this quoted. People love quoting the fruits of the Spirit and things, which is great. But uh, we have here the 17 calamities of Romans 8. Um, so if you want to see the list, they're in, uh, in Romans 8 and verses 35 to 39. 
um, and he says all the things um, that might happen. Um, life is not going to be easy, and those of us who've been Christians for a while, any length of time, know that life is not easy, and yet we can have a confidence, not a confidence in the fact life is going to be easy, but a confidence in that we have a hotline to heaven, as it were. We get to call God Father. And in those moments, we can pray. And that sounds trite, but it's not. We can pray. We are the person, as I alluded to at the start of the service, who this week might be going into the room and being the person that brings the, the embodiment of the kingdom of heaven right there in your office, at your school, in your workplace, in your community, in your neighborhood. We have a hope. We have this inheritance to look forward to. And we get to live into it now. Knowing how glorious the full inheritance will be um, gives us a sense of our identity. We know in, from the book of Acts and elsewhere that Paul suffered. He's not writing this as, as, as an academic theologian. He's writing it as a, as a practitioner. Um, he's out there and he's suffering. He knows what he's talking about. And he says we can live with a new confidence because of our future inheritance and secondly, because of our present and ongoing experience of God's love. The final verses of the section are verses 37 to 39. They outline how nothing can separate us from God's love. When we face hardship, when we face pain, we can be sure that God has not abandoned us. We can still experience his love in the midst of our trials. How many times have you heard someone, I've heard this a lot, where someone says, I was in a really hard place, but I knew that God was with me. And sometimes we're the person who has to remind somebody in our life group, someone who's sitting next to you right now at a different time, God is with you. He's got you. I know it may not feel like it, but he's got you. The Holy Spirit pours God's love into our hearts. Um, and sometimes we can experience the Holy Spirit coming upon us and giving us that sense of confidence, that sense of who we are, that sense of peace, that real sense of God in our midst at this moment. So how do we live in the light of this? Well, if it's true that we're God's children and he's our Abba Father, that changes our relationship with him dramatically. I wonder if there's areas where you see yourself as a slave or a servant and not a son, a child of God. I wonder what would help change your mindset. Uh, we, we sang last week. Um, we're not singing it again this week because we try and do different songs each week, um, mostly. Uh, but we sang um, the song, Who You Say I Am. Uh, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Because I think often we need to be reminded that we are God's children. 
Our identity is not in what the world says. Our identity is in God. And so maybe um, after communion, we will, when you receive communion, there'll be some people at one or both sides, depending on how many people we have uh, here today, um, who will be there offering prayer ministry. And maybe you'd just like to go forward for prayer uh, that you would know uh, in, a, in a, a new way or a refreshed way who you are in Christ, who you are in God. Um, when we face hardships, we need to hold on to our future hope. We shouldn't be surprised or interpret suffering as a sign that God has abandoned us or doesn't love us. Nothing can separate us from his love. As we learn to experience his love and be captivated by his promises for our future, this changes our perspective and helps us to endure our sufferings. And maybe you're feeling, you know, you're weighed down with suffering right now, and too. Uh, when we come to communion, if you come for communion, then head to one side and receive prayer, uh, just that God would be with you, well, God is with you, but you would know God with you in your sufferings. Um, and you might think, I'm not the kind of person that wants to go to the front. Um, after the service, find someone that looks friendly around you, um, and, uh, and, and then say, hey, could, could you just pray for me? And if you don't want to pray for someone, the trick is close your eyes and put your head down, look like you're praying, and then no one's going to ask you. Um, and that's okay too, because sometimes we're in a place where we go, I, I just haven't got the energy today to pray for you, or it's out of my comfort zone. So look around. If you see someone you think they might pray for you, uh, that can happen everywhere. It doesn't have to be at the front. We just offer it at the front to say we want to make sure everyone has the opportunity. As we drill down, uh, we know we have a new identity in Christ as children of God adopted into sonship, given uh, the inheritance, a new inheritance. And so from that, knowing who we are in God, who God has called us to be, we can have confidence. I'm going to pray as we finish. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these words. Help us know that we are forgiven, we are loved, we are children of the living God. Lord God, where we are facing hardship, suffering, and challenges, please assure us of your love and presence with us. Help us not to feel abandoned or on our own. Thank you that you care for us and that nothing can separate us from you. We are your children. Help us to trust and love you as our wonderful Heavenly Father. Amen.